hrgrapevine.com. It is the HR Grapevine Podcast. I'm Eric Niewarowski. Thanks for joining me today. And this week, I want to talk about professionalism and what does it look like and how has it evolved in the last two years. And the reason why I wanted to talk about this is I was recently speaking with a friend who had a job interview and like many job interviews in the last 18 to 24 months, it was conducted over Zoom. And the interviewer from the company had on a hooded sweatshirt and a New York Yankees cap. And so that got me to thinking like, well, this wouldn't happen pre-pandemic, but it's happening now. So with all of the changes that have happened within the world of work in the last two years, it certainly seems like professionalism has also changed. Is it good? Is it bad? So to help me talk about this today, I'm going to bring back an old friend to the show, our head of content at Executive Grapevine Digital Publishing, Kieran Howells. How are you today? Hey, Eric. Yeah, I'm really good. Thank you. How are you, mate? I'm good. Thanks. I'm just, I'm actually doing this podcast in a jumper and a ball cap as well. And I never realized how over 40 years old I am when I call it a ball cap. Um <laughs> So let's just get right into it, Kieran. To you, what has been the historic perception of professionalism? Well, there's there's this idea, isn't there? Um, I think when we look at the kind of the concept of pro, of professional clothing, I think of this kind of like 1950s nuclear family, you know, mad men suits. And obviously, when you actually think about that, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, what, why yeah. would why would any of this make any difference to how we work and how productive we are. I mean, what, what do you think, Eric? What's What comes to mind when you think of it? So like you, I'm, I'm definitely thinking like television, but I'm thinking more of like 80s, you know, sort of like the working girl movie, um, Nine to Five with Dolly Parton and stuff. Uh-huh. So I think it's very industry dependent. You know, I, I come from a creative background like yourself. So in answer to your question, I, I think professionalism or an answer to the question, I think professionalism, the historic perception of it, kind of also kind of wraps around certain ideas of, say, like uh, misogyny and sexism and toxic masculinity. So while there has been a lot of rainstorms in the last two years when it comes to work, I think one of the silver linings to those clouds have been sort of the relaxedness of this concept of having to dress up for work. Does that right, make yeah. sense? No, it, it totally does. And and this is something that I wanted to kind of raise under this question as well, that the I, the concept of this, you know, I use the term nuclear family in the, in my kind of first point there. I right. think the concept of that is it, we know it to be false. You know, we don't live in a world where that's the case anymore. So the idea of a man coming in in a suit and a woman coming in in a dress is just, it's just absurd. And actually, yeah. you know, in a world where we do away with that concept, one of the first people that came to mind for me was those who identify as non-binary. Uh-huh. Because if we uphold this idea of professionalism, we're also upholding this idea that, you know, if if someone was born genetically a female or if someone was born genetically a male, that that's the role that they have to fulfill at work. That idea to me is very powerful. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if we were to talk, start talking about like, you know, gender issues within the workplace, we could certainly 
uh, fill up uh, probably a whole month's worth of podcasts, right? Um, But I'm guessing, you know, with with this historic perception of professionalism, why is this wrong now? Is, Is that because kind of what you just said, or are there other sort of factors that make it wrong? Well, we have to look at the pandemic, don't we? I mean, yeah. this this is a massive impetus for change. It's been a massive impetus for change in so many different ways. But the way that we dress and the way that we feel productive, I think, is, is a really key part of that. So I read a, a really interesting statistic that was um, published on CNBC that was demand for loungewear and casual wear surged by 49% year on year during March and April of 2020. Right. So right around the time when everyone started working from home and didn't have to think about what they were wearing anymore. They were just worried about being comfortable and productive. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah, let's talk a bit more about that. So I'd like to know your thoughts on how the pandemic has kind of shifted the overall perception of professionalism. Well, I mean, there's two key strands here for me. One is the idea that for the majority of the time you're working in an isolated environment where no one can see what you're wearing. Mm -hmm. So it it just makes sense to wear whatever is comfortable, whatever makes you feel productive. And the other side of it is that we're welcoming each other into our homes in a way that we never have before. We're seeing people as whole human beings instead of as robots in the workplace who just have a task to do before they leave that day. Right. Um, Yeah, I think that's quite poignant that we're seeing people, the whole person, including who they are within their home, um, around their family. What What do you think? For me, I think the pandemic changed the perception of professionalism, that professionalism isn't outwardly. It's not visual. It's not visceral. I don't think that necessarily wearing a suit and a tie on an extreme end, or, you know, let's be honest, even an ironed shirt Mm -hmm. doesn't make one any less professional than say someone who does. Yeah. Um, So that's kind of my thought on it. What I'm interested to see now is what is it going to be like as people start going back to the office, you know, us here at executive grapevine, we're lucky enough where we will be in a, a, a remote or heavily hybrid work environment for the foreseeable future. But there are people that are starting to get back to work, right? Like Google's getting back in the office. Facebook has announced people coming back to the office. A lot of smaller SMEs are back into the office. So I'm wondering, you know, if that dress code that was happened before is it returned. I want to unpack that one a little bit, the office dress code with you, Kieran, if I may. And let's just start off with what are the pluses and minuses of getting rid of the office dress code? Well, to me, there's a lot of individuality in taking away the the you know the the regulation of wearing a shirt and and smart trousers or a smart dress or whatever into work. I think that when people feel empowered to be their whole selves at work, uh-huh. and that includes you know how they dress. I think it makes them a better professional. There, there's something really interesting to be said as well here about certain certain uh, minority groups who in the past have been attacked for the way that they you know they dress or or their hair or things so i was right. reading some some really interesting statistics 
before we were talking about different cases where black individuals were turned down from jobs because they wore their hair in braids. Or there's a case where there's a woman named uh, Simone Powdley who uh, was offered a job on the condition that she took out her hair braids. Uh Or in, in 2018, a black woman applied for a job at Harrods and was asked to chemically straighten her hair before she started work. Right. That's awful. Yeah. And it's not allowing people to be who they are, you know. And I think one of the positives of the kind of the world that's moved on in the last two years is that 2022 is a place where a a significant amount of the workforce, especially in now senior-ish positions, are millennials, which is a group of people who grew up believing in individual, you know, in, in, in the right to be an individual. Right. and equality and, and diversity and inclusion. So I think that inevitably, not just because the pandemic's over, because a different group of people are in charge, we'll see a lot more of that idea of celebrate who you are in how you dress and how you look. Kieran, I want to wrap it up our talk today about professional in the workplace with a topic that is really near and dear to, I know, both of our hearts. And that is tattoos. You and I both love them. We both have a lot of them. You have more than me. I'm trying to catch up with you. Um, and I just want to talk about sort of the evolution of tattoos in the workplace and how it regards to professionalism. But I'd like to start off with a, a personal anecdote about tattoos in the workplace, if you don't mind. Go for it. Okay. So this was many, many years ago. I would say well over 10. I was still in the United States and I was working in Chicago, Illinois. And I, ha- I had a, uh, a young video producer's dream gig at a very, very popular daytime talk show. I don't think I can mention the name, but if you knew about the taxonomy of where talk shows were filmed in the United States and Chicago being one of them, you could probably figure it out pretty quick, right? Well, anyway, it was a hot, muggy summer's June day. And I'd commute and it involved a sweaty L train ride and then a sweaty walk over the Grand Avenue Bridge into the West Loop of Chicago. And I got into work one day and it was still very, very hot in the office. So I just had my T-shirt on. Now, this was my second ish professional role. And I was very, very leery of having my tattoos uh, visible back then. I have certainly a lot more now, but back then they they, they were very visible within a t-shirt. And I remember getting a cup of coffee and the um, head of the department walked in and she looked at my arms with the t-shirt and said, oh my God, Eric, you have all of these tattoos. That's great. You know, we don't have a cool tattooed guy in the office, so you could be that guy. (laughs) And at first I was shocked. I thought I was going to get in trouble. But since she said that, it's kind of I've kind of worn that mantle uh, quite proudly until I ended up at Executive Grapevine and met you as you have considerable more. So let's talk about tattoos in the workplace. Then in researching for this podcast, I read that Churchill's mother had a tattoo of a snake around her wrist, which I think is pretty great. But I'm, I'm really starting to to digress here, Kieran. I guess my first question is, uh, how do you feel about tattoos in the workplace? Well, unsurprisingly, given my own kind of passion for tattoos, I think that there's nothing wrong at all with with having tattoos in the workplace. And I think that it's actually quite a dated idea that yes. having a tattoo makes you any kind of person. I always say when when people ask me about my own tattoos that 
um, in this in this very kind of instant culture, this instant gratification culture that we have, actually having to sit down for four hours and patiently take some pain, I think says something about my my dedication, you know, and and, and and my kind of level of tolerance. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I think you know, I, I have respect for anyone who can sit down and take a tattoo, but but more than that as well. I think I have an internal war raging in me in the same way that I think you did, you know, in the story you were just talking about, because mm-hmm. I I have tattoos in places that I can cover up and yes. I often go out of my way to wear long sleeves in professional environments, especially when we're interviewing people, mm-hmm. um, because I do worry about the perception of tattoos in the workplace. So I actually don't think we are at a point now where universally it's agreed that tattoos are an acceptable thing for a professional interesting i think it's uh i think it you know it's i I think you may be right i think it's kind of getting a little bit better certainly it's it's industry dependent right so on, on on one hand i think where you know us in the creative industry in the media industry seeing having tattoos is a little bit more acceptable in finance and accountancy and some of that uh i i do see how people would potentially be put off but you know it, Research from the CV library suggests that 44% of the UK workforce admits to having tattoos and nearly 60% believe that they're going to face a slower career progression as a result. Have you ever felt that? Yeah, definitely. It's something that I've worried about. You know, I I definitely have thought about that. Um, It's it's something that I've considered many times in my life. Um, But I think for me personally, uh, I was always born to write about HR because I believe that being your true self is more important than maybe some people's perception of you. Right, um, right. And I think, you know, I'm sorry to interrupt there, but that's something we talk about. That's kind of a running theme through the podcast here the last month or so is being your true self. at right. um, And I was shocked to find out tattoos aren't protected against any sort of, dis, you know, anti-discrimination act uh, within the UK. How do you feel about that one? Yeah, well, none, none of this stuff is really. I mean, yeah, I, I, I was kind of doing a bit of research like you beforehand, and I read a quote by um, Phil Richardson, who's the head of law at a firm called Stevenson's, who said that literally nothing outside of kind of a very core group of things like religion and race and things like that are protected characteristics, even mm-hmm. if those things actually inter- inter- interact. Like, so right. I was talking about um, people from fame backgrounds having certain hairstyles you know right um that's not protected you know an employer can ask you to change your hair which i think is really wrong actually um and i don't think employers should have the option to do that so yeah i i think it's it's not great that it's not protected and it definitely should be do you think it will be one day eric um i don't think it will but i don't think it matters because i think people you know it when they're looking for a job um and certainly the advantage right now is within the job candidate, not the employer. And while that might shift over the next year or two, I still think that people are smart enough to not really uh, have to sacrifice their true selves for a job. Because while money is important, it's really not everything. Um, no. And that's my take on that. So Kieran Howells, thank you so much uh, for joining uh, today on the podcast and for everyone else out there. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Eric Niewerowski. We'll be back next week with another edition of the HR Grapevine podcast.